Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just a simple good today. Just a simple good. It's a Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. It's a work yeah. day, so it's like, how good How good can you be? You can't be that good. You can't be, be that be good. Real here. Hang on, sorry. I, I forgot to un... And dolphin killer these beers oh yeah well you know we like that dolphin killer yeah uh yeah no but i'm okay I, I i've picked up a little bit of a new hobby so i bowled today in the middle of the day i had a lesson even you know you you when you texted me about that <laughs> i i couldn't to decide be clear were... i didn't text you about it no 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 but we were texting and it, it came up in the conversation and i i had I thought you were maybe joking at first. Well, because it seems like a thing I would joke about. <laughs> yeah, but then you remained committed to the bit, and today you showed me the blisties. So, yeah, one of them could be a golf blister. You know, maybe you're hiding that you're golfing without me, but the outside of the thumb is not something mm-hmm. you would get golfing. So, nope. I'm inclined to believe you that you are, in fact, bowling, bowling. and taking lessons. Y- yeah. Why? No, 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 why? What prompted it? Because I get, I mean, bowling is whatever. Like, it, it, it's a decent decent hobby. I would question bowling in the middle of the day because it seems like a sport that, much like cornhole, mm-hmm. requires beer. So you can't really do that during the day. What? What? You know, it's just something I had done in the past. It's something I had done in the past. And so, but it's been many, many, many years since I've done it. And I wanted to have something to sort of get out of the office in the middle of the day and do. Uh, in my mind, golf is perfect sport for that. But golf is, you know, you don't come back to the office after that. That's right. That's right. It's a really long uh, commitment. It's kind of expensive. Uh, not that that's a major concern, because uh, bowling's also expensive. But uh, it just is too long. I can't commit. You know, it's actually probably three hours that you're out of the out of the seat at the very least. Yeah, and that's if you're golfing fast at the very least. So. Um, there's a bowling alley right by my work, a couple blocks away. I can sneak in there. I can bowl a little bit. But then I was like, I don't really know. I never learned how to bowl. I mean, I I understand the basic physics behind it. Uh, I have surface knowledge of those physics. I had an idea about how to do that thing, uh, which was all wrong, come to find out, uh, which I think it's, it is true for most people. You see someone who's not a bowler and they try to do weird things and you're like why are you trying to do that but uh i in my head had thought well i'm different than that but i wasn't everything i was doing was all would be so it just seemed like something fun and physical and out of the office that i could sneak away for 45 minutes to an hour and do occasionally when i just have an itch to do something that's not in the office so i'm imagining your instructor is in his 70s he's younger than i am no. Yep. Is he 16 and works at the bowling alley? I think he's 32. He's a uh, you know the club pro, quote unquote. Oh, club okay. Pro. And I think he is a uh, a amateur pro or a semi pro bowler. You know, I one of my accounts when I was slinging beer was a bowling alley, and I would get to chatting with the owner, and I learned more just about the uh, the technology in bowling. Like more than I would ever care to know about most things, and his passion for it was like odd, uh, and it was a family business. Like his parents owned it before him, 
And like he spent an hour t- talking to me about the different types, finishes, and styles of floor. Oh yeah, it's a thing. It uh, evidently it's a thing. You know, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I've I've learned a little bit about cover stocks because that becomes like the first sort of important decisions. What kind of cover stock? And it's dependent on the oil conditions. And so I've learned a little bit about that. But honestly, I just wanted to have something that was a little bit physical, a little bit stupid, and kind of cheap and kind of quick to do in the middle of the day. And if you suck at something, it's not really very fun to do. Well, yeah. No, I'm not going to just go huck a ball down the lane as hard as I can for an hour. I mean, I could do that, and that actually might accomplish all the all the goals. But it's not me. Yeah, no. Right? No. I'm a guy who taught myself how to juggle and how to solve a Rubik's Cube. And uh, the thing about bowling is I could teach myself some of this, but you get a lesson or five or 20 or whatever, and you're going to get better at it. So, I, and you know me, it's, it's, it seems like a fun thing to kind of learn. So that's it. You can dig it. <laughs> if a top <laughs> so golf stupid. was was a half mile from work, would you have been taking golf lessons? Perhaps, okay. yeah. Uh, I mean, although uh, again, same same issue with that. But you you know you could go to the driving range. Well, so and, I mean, top golf. You yeah. know that it's, they're the yeah, yeah. they're the driving ranges that have all kinds of like virtual integrated games and. Yeah, no, I suppose that I could do something like that, um, and, and that would perhaps be less astounding to people. Mm-hmm. But I think this, it's just golf is more prevalent. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's something about golf that makes it a little bit more uh, socially acceptable for someone in my position. But bowling seems like a fun thing to kind of learn. And so. It's a dying art. If your kids take up bowling, they are more likely than not to get college scholarships. Because yeah, that's a really good the, point. The pool of competition for bowling teams is pretty low. That's a really I, good point. I went to high school with a kid who was making money bowling and as a result didn't bowl in college but that's what he was doing i guess that was his sport as a as a child was bowling you know that's interesting because the pros the best pros in the world make like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and they've been making that for like 30 years that's right it, it never the prize money didn't increase with uh with inflation which is insane yeah. i mean because those schedules are nuts and they bowl in a, like weird places, some of the best right. bowling alleys in the country are in like backwater. Who knows where? There's yeah, th- there's a really good one in Bend that hosts some regional championships. I think the best lanes in in Oregon are are in Medford Lava Lanes yeah. in Medford, which is why would you go to Medford <laughs> for any other reason? <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, uh, we're we're gonna change the name of the show to Two Broke Bowling Snobs. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, although it's or just two one. dudes who suck at bowling. <laughs> yeah, one's getting better. Yeah, I am modestly, modestly. You, you know, it's interesting because someone said, "Well, what are you scoring? What well, you know? What 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 are you scoring? You know, what are your average scores?" But I'm not really keeping score because I'm just sort just of just having so much fun. No, that's not it. it. It's just that I'm working. You know, because um, I had, like I said, I had ideas about what I was supposed to do, and the my coach. My trainer <laughs> uh, really just broke it all down. He was like, nope, 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 stop, you know, uh, try doing this. But it was really fundamental, the things that were changed. So it's like Tiger Woods uh, coming back from swinger recovery. You know, it's just there's no 
I have no, I'm not going to score because I'm doing everything so poorly still, but you know, little things I can feel, you know, a little thing. He says, do this. And well, I'm not going to be able to do that, but let me, let me try. And then eventually, you know, you do throw the ball 10 times and eventually it clicks and you're like, Oh, I, I can do that. I can program that muscle memory now. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm just sort of now, uh, after, you know, really a lesson and a half, basically starting to feel like I'm not just going up there and doing completely foreign odd things. So now you didn't inquire, he, he, you weren't just there bowling and he didn't approach you and say, Hey man, you need a lesson. That is what happened. You inquire. No. So you didn't inquire. Like he approached him and was like, Hey man, you kind of suck at this. And since you're here in the middle of a work day, uh, dressed like you're going to be here quite a bit because it's pretty <laughs> obvious you work just down the street. We're going to have to fix that. That is oddly close to what actually happened. Yes. The, uh, uh, there was a guy getting a lesson next to me in, in the like two lane, lane and a half over. And um, I can't remember. So, somebody mentioned something to me or said something to me, but it's just like four dudes, you know, five dudes in the whole place. He's giving a lesson to one guy. And uh, I think the the pro said something like, oh, you know, you throw it just like this guy here. You know, you're you're twirling. He's kind of sarcastic and a little bit like uh, making fun of you for doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, but in a really sort of productive way, he said, yeah, you're doing it just like this guy. If I could get the two of you to stop twirling the ball, we could have a couple of good bowlers or something like that. But just sort of start engaged with me. So he advocates for a straight throw. No, it's not straight. He, in fact, he hooks the ball so much crazy hook. And I'm like, how does he do that? Because it's such a, it's such a casual thing. Anyway, long story short, yes, he kind of approached me and was like, are you, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Yeah. Well, lessons are cheap. You should take some lessons. And then I signed up for lessons. All right. (laughs) That's, I'm glad that's how I imagined it. Even though I, I, <laughs> even though I feel like after three or four visits, you, you, you would have sought them out. I think, perhaps, yeah, perhaps. I was looking for something, yeah, and you've you found this, the love of bowling. I don't know. I don't know if there's a love yet, but I found uh, some appreciation for it. So Andrew, next time I come over, you're going to be in a league bowling shirt. You're going to be on the team, the Lane Blazers, the Lane Blazers. How are you? I'm well. I am just plugging away. I'm a little bit on autopilot right now. Had a had a kind of long day that I, I didn't... I, I should have expected it because my day is scheduled. But I forgot that I... Forgot that I was going to be at work a little bit later tonight. So rushed home, gave the fam a kiss, threw the baby in bed, and then came this way. So I'm I'm excited. I... I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Number one is is I love talking watches with you, hanging out and drinking beer with you. I like watches. Uh, number two is that we are completing our 52nd episode. As of right now, as of today, this is we are recording number 52. This is the completion of our one year. When this thing publishes, we'll have a year under the belt. Yep. Which means the following episode is our one year anniversary. Our one year anniversary of the podcast. Yeah. So... We've got some fun stuff planned. I don't want to reveal anything right now, but there's some fun stuff planned. I want you guys to tune in next week. So you're listening to this on Thursday morning because you're a diligent listener. One week from now, tune in and check us out because the one-year episode, we're going to have 
you know, the standard fare. There may be a giveaway. Probably some cake. There may be some fun topics. I was told there would be cake. Well, I'll get to eat it. I'll bring cake for me. <laughs> I'll share it with the kids, too. Yeah. Keto so, weirdo. Check us out next week. But this is kind of fun. Yeah. This, we if we if As long as we don't die. Yeah. As long as we don't die in the next 48 minutes or so, we'll have oh. completed a full year of the podcast. I, I thought you were going to go so far as seven days. Uh, oh. And I was like, woof. No, we just have to make it 48 minutes and then someone's got to be here to publish. But. That seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Unless we die in a fire and it all goes up and then Moses will be dead at 51. Oh, I was like, I'm not 51. You're not 51. <laughs> no 51 episodes. No. That would be a bummer. <laughs> Maybe they would do a documentary about us. Yeah, it's, it seems reasonable. The 52nd episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a, I'm going to roll with titles tonight. Yeah, that's a, that's a good title for, yeah. Uh, for the, yeah. yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> no, I like it. Just because you have the womp womps doesn't mean that I that I got a womp womp. Well, that's not very good either. No, can we reprogram those to make any other kind of noises? We totally can. I keep meaning to put Scottish Watch's horses on there, but it's just uh, one of those things that I haven't had time to do. I can't remember what they all are. Time either. to bowl. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know what that one is, but it's gonna have a use. Someday. It's for announcing a winner. Is that what it is? I think so. I was thinking it was like a pretty lady. That's what you should play when I introduce my good friend Everett. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, that is right. Uh, uh, I do still have applications out for a good friend replacement mm-hmm. um, for any of those of you who may be interested. It turns out nobody wants to be your friend. No. So you better keep me around, fucker. Seems that I might be just saddled with you. So we're talking about watches today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll get ta- back to it. <laughs> we're talking about We never watches. really got to it yet, but here we go. Uh, not at all. I mean, I, it seems like a lot of times when I say that, uh, I don't know that I say that every episode. Oh, you do. Every, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta bring me back on track because <laughs> I can go down those rabbit holes and fuck the fur right off that rabbit. So. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're welcome for that. <laughs> we might, okay. Uh, it seems like uh, oftentimes we've actually talked about watches, but today I don't. we have not even gotten close to watches. No. Is there any watch news we should mention first? I, you know, there probably is, but man. Pass. <laughs> Total pass. Tune back in next week for some watch news from the latest four weeks. Yeah, we're listening to Scottish watches because when they talk about something that has anything to do with watches, it's usually newsy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are super funny and very good. They don't spend a ton of time talking about watches for the 17 episodes a week they publish. Publish 17 episodes a week. I mean, yeah. You kind of run out of things to talk about. <laughs> uh, you know, I listen to almost every episode of Scottish Watches. Every once in a while, I miss one and not get back to it. But uh, almost every episode, because they're quick, you know, they're pretty quick and digestible. But a lot of times I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Man? You're just hanging out. Yeah. Is yeah. it the accents or is it the actual content? That no, no, I, okay. I I can understand them. Okay. I mean, it's just they're, they're you know, oftentimes not, not super watch focused, which... They're just doing what we do, but they do it so many t- more times a week that they can Glass. afford to have a couple. Yeah, that's right. A couple non-watch. And, and glass houses and all that, right? We we have an entire episode, segment of our show dedicated to other things. So. Yeah, but we only do one a week. But today we're talking about, we're going to continue this this uh, poor man's, this poor man's series. Now, is two make a series? Uh, It's the beginnings. 
a mini series, a limited series. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a, a another sort of very popular homaged watch that which, most of us just can't afford. Yeah, that's right. So we're gonna talk about the Rolex Datejust, and we're gonna or day date or day date. That's right. I was gonna say we're gonna incorporate that. We're gonna call it the poor man's Datejust, but just before anybody freaks out, there are some day date, some president uh, homages here too. So. Don't freak out. Or do. Stay calm. Whatever. Stay Road calm. rage is a thing. You, you, you know, the date Justin, date Justin, the day date, date Jason. Uh-oh. <laughs> are, are so similar uh, in, in many respects. And obviously they, they have different, uh, different names and different dials and things are different. But, but in many respects, that fluted bezel, that iconic fluted bezel, uh, they're very similar watches. Different bracelets. You've got the president bracelet or you've got the the Jubilee bracelet. If there weren't if there wasn't the tradition associated with them, they would be lumped into the same family the same way like the Mako and the Ray are. I think. But there's the tradition and the heraldry, maybe heritage would probably be a better word than heraldry uh the heritage associated with rolex that gives them each a unique identity you do you boo yeah i like heraldry we'll stick with that uh yeah so i don't know why that word popped in above heritage uh you know and it's totally inappropriate it's a totally inappropriate inappropriately applied word yeah yeah uh, i I apologize yeah you really you this we're going downhill guys we're a year in you're stuck with us (laughs) Well, you're stuck with me. I, I'm definitely stuck with you. <laughs> Haven't even got one application. Yeah, no, you're stuck with me for sure. So, uh, I, I guess it's important to talk a little bit about what the date just is because I'm not sure the date just is what you think of when you see it. I think it's something more. It's something more than what you think of when you see it, uh, and that has to do with Rolex. Rolex's unique identity historical identity uh as a maker of sport watches so rolex famously famously uh introduced the world to truly water resistant watches uh and and maybe that's a little bit of uh of an overstep uh or overstatement because there there were other people sort of in that game but the the invention of the hermetic oyster case was a big deal you know before that really we weren't seeing a lot of watches that had that level of water resistance and and these things that had become axiomatic Mm -hmm. uh or or perhaps sort of pedestrian at the time you know uh, the bezel screws into the mid case the case back screws into the mid case the crown screws into the mid case making for this extremely resistant uh hydrophobic case um that at the time was pretty novel it was a big deal and and now we take it for granted but so now we get weirded out when that isn't what's happening that's right that's right um you you know it it was a big deal and and it continues to be a big deal uh but but perhaps with a little less need now so i i think it's important to sort of start there the the date just on first glance is this sort of antiquated looking, you know, that fluted bezel. It's not not antiquated, but very sort of vintage looking. It only remains in style because the, that 
family of watches remains in production. Yeah. It is wholly unlike anything else that is in the current marketplace. And kind of stands out as almost like a... Uh, the word I'm looking for is icky. Icky, yeah. No. If I, anybody else were to drop that bezel on a watch, you'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, this, what are you, what are you that's doing? Ugly. Why'd you do that? That's ugly. Uh, yeah. No, I think that's right on. I think that's right on. Uh, so so iconic because of, of what it looks like. And um, the heraldry. And the heraldry. Um, and, and and with just a ton of, with a ton of um, it, its own thing going on. So, but, but when you look at it, it's got this vintage looking dress watch, it, it, dress watch appeal, I think, mm-hmm. but it's more than that, right? It's a sport watch. It, it is intended to be a sport watch. When these came out in, you know, 1887 or whatever it was. 1843. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was, um, a sport watch. It wasn't a dress watch. It, it was, it was actually intended to be a, a very sporty sort of, uh, movement watch. And so it's interesting to think that, that this case that looks nothing like a sport case now, really, um, it has its roots in being a very capable, high water resistant sports watch. So, for me, in exploring this episode, I wanted to be able to uh, think about what w- what is it that makes a date just because I think uh, a lot of the the options out there for a poor man's date just don't necessarily achieve those goals. I do have to do a a quick uh, correction. It was nineteen forty five. I was going to guess the mid fifties for the original release, but nineteen forty five. I don't believe that. I just looked the Google. It's definitely eighteen. What did I say? Forty three. <laughs> That's what you said. Yeah, no, I I figured it was sometime in the fifties too, but which is more surprising to me that this could be getting being developed in in the forties amidst all the other shit that's happening. <laughs> But it's got that style, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's got oh, it that style. Does, yeah. So, uh, you know, in looking for watches for this episode, I thought, well, what is it that makes a date just homage? Uh, I, I think it needs to be, uh, you know, or a poor man's date just, perhaps. I think it needs to be sporty. Yep. It needs to be dressy. Yep. It needs to probably come on a bracelet. And have a gold option. And and have some yeah there there may be or some two tonage there probably needs to be some gold some bling some blingage in in the repertoire and and it also needs to have water resistance yeah and we don't see that no we and don't it, see that I I went back to our sport watch episode looking for um like to our dress sport uh, episode to to look for some some similarities and kind of and and distill it all down into what I was looking for. Cause you can find plenty of day date or day just ripoffs that don't have one of the key components. They're too big, which is common when we're looking at, uh, in this style of watch, they're too big. They don't have any water resistance. They are shit. Um, you got like, <laughs> they say alpha on the front. Yeah. They, they, or they say, you know, sing Dao. Omega. Oh, well. And, and they have and they a, look just like a, a, yeah, <laughs> and they're from Mexico, or worse. Yeah. Well, no, sorry, that we're gonna have to cut that one. 
<laughs> I'm not editing. It's staying in. Okay. Yep, yeah, just own it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I So, right. These are um <clears throat> hard to come by. It's hard to come by. Yeah, done right there they are. And it's the same thing we kind of ran into with the Speedmaster, like finding that uh finding things that hit all those all those key boxes that the Speedmaster fills and stays relatively true to the design, relatively true to the intent and um still looks good. Yeah. Well, and is is a value. It, that's the other thing is is finding a a watch that fits this void and still has value. Cuz you can buy plenty of cheap ripoffs or homages and they're not going to have any value. Like you might like the way it looks. People are going to go, "Oh, cool watch, is that a Rolex?" and be like, "No. It's a Semdal." Yeah, it's a something, right? Uh you, you know, and and I think maybe perhaps this is an appropriate time to say that um maybe the best poor man's Datejust is an actual Datejust. Yeah, no, that's possible. Um at 4000 ish dollars for um for for a 1980s date just uh that's a hunk of change but you're getting um a very very uh high value retain item you're not oh, yeah. going to lose money on it unless you thrash it uh you you're going to have that gold bezel because you know some people don't know this but the fluted bezel yeah. on steel date justs is gold um white gold uh or or yellow gold um, so you, you're gonna, you know, in these two tones, they've got gold links. Um, so you're going to have the ability to have a watch that's going to retain its value very well. Just in precious metals. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, but realistically 4,000 bucks entry level, you know, you can find them cheaper if you really, really scrape, but for, for something that's been serviced, uh, from Bob's for instance, you're looking at 4,000 bucks entry level. Which you should. And that's a chunk of change. And that's what you should be spending on that. And honestly, I, I would be more inclined to buy a 1980s than I would be right off the production line. Yeah, I think I would too. There's something about uh, that that vintage charm. Rolex has it. Seiko has it. You know, some of these brands have it. Uh, certainly Hoyer. Um, mm-hmm. Hoyers have it. That vintage charm. I would also feel weird buying such a antiquated watch that was made in the new. modern era. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they still sell a fuck ton of them. Yeah, uh, but it's because people, it's because it's got the Rolex logo on it. And people dig these watches, and I'm, I'm not to disparage it, but the these they haven't evolved at all with, I think, modern design cues. Yeah. And, and plenty of watches have discontinued a, a watch and said, hey, we're going to, we're going to move it in the modern era. Not these, not these holding strong. Yeah. And, and and I guess we sh- we could we could sort of move into uh, our first watch, which it, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. And in fact, it's just going to be really at all, yeah, partially on the list. And part of the reason is for that. Uh, part of the reason for that is is that it's a little too easy. It was the first watch on both of our lists, um, and and it's going to be the first thought in everybody's head too. Uh, but the Seiko Sarb O three three O three five, duh. This watch is such an obvious choice. And, and frankly, if you're in the market for one and you've got 500 bucks and you don't know... 400 oh, bucks. 400 money on the Amazon right now. 400 bucks. Uh, and, and you don't know that you don't like something about the Sarb, this is your first stop. 
the Sarbo 3.3 or the Sarbo 3.5, either one of them. That's your first stop. It's a little bit bigger than the classic Datejust. Day and Just it doesn't is... quite fit it perfectly. <clears throat> That's right. But it has. it is the modern iteration of a revolutionary dress sport watch. Yep. Uh, 100 meters of water resistance, beautiful markers, uh, super classic and refined style. It does have a smooth bezel. Uh, it, which date just comes with smooth date justs have smooth bezels. Should I stop? But you'll edit that. <laughs> uh, but but really, the date just in everybody's mind is that fluted bezel. So uh, with that said, this is probably where you stop, and 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 probably where you, or you know, probably where you start, probably where you stop, um, it, uh, unless you know there's something about the Sarb you don't like, or unless you want to get something that really looks very much like a day just because there's options out there so i think we're going to start with our first watch here i mean i know that they come with smooth be- smooth bezel options mm-hmm. i just feel like if somebody's going to go that route they go the explorer route yeah well and and they're super similar watches mm-hmm. in many respects but but yeah, no, that that is an option. And I think some people do that. They go to smooth bezel um, Datejust. If I'm going to get a Datejust, I'm getting a fluted bezel. It has to be because that's, that's what it is. Fluted bezel, blue dial, batten markers. I think I go straight gold. Straight gold? You, yeah. you pay a lot for a straight gold. But I think that's what you do. I, I think if if you're gonna if you're gonna go that way, you might as well go all out. And this is a watch that I'll. I for, mean, I'll never own that, and I'll never own any of those watches because they're just not they're just not for me. For for me, all out is two tone. Yeah, and I think that's growing up in the '80s and because straight '80s, I, I straight '80s. I work in proximity to a guy who uh, has a two tone from, and he's he clearly has had it since the '80s. Um, yeah, and it just it fits. He still dresses like it's the '80s for the most part. It it works. I had a construction mediator that I used several times, um, and he wasn't an attorney. He was just a a construction dispute mediator, uh, old contractor, and he wore a date chest from the 80s. And i that's when I fell in love. It was a blue batten marker. It was my baby. And I just, he just wore it so well. He wore it pretty loose. Oh, of course. Um, you, you know, and can't risk losing one of those links. It's like, fuck, that thing is so stinking cool. Uh, and to this day, if, if I buy a date chest, that's the one I'm going to buy. I can dig it. Yeah, shall we? Um, shall we stop talking about Rolex? Stop talking about Rolex. Yeah, because you guys of... are going to buy a Rolex. I'm not, but you might I'm buy po. a vintage Bulova Super Sevilla automatic Sevilla. Sevilla automatic date and date men's dress watch. You may, and and frankly, <laughs> you should. I was I was going to turn the labels towards you so that you could pick which one you'd prefer. Hey, you take whichever one you want, boo. So I'm gonna shake up one of them, and then you're going with the. Oh, okay, good choice. Go with the. What is this? Pineapple and passion fruit. So these are more of our seek out, uh, basic bitch drinks. But we did start with some Miller Lite. That feels yeah. a little less basic. Oh, real pilsnery. So this thing is. Oh yeah, sorry. Watches. Very much a Rolex President homage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, down to the bracelet, the bezel. Uh, I mean, just very, very true to the source material, and it's stunning you it, can't find them new nope you can't find them new but you can find these things on ebay they get up there they get yeah. up there uh 500 to about 800 in that range for a, a good oh when you're looking at a service vintage watch that's pretty appropriate that's right 
That's right. And the one I've pulled up on eBay, this one's available now. It's got three days left. 21 bids, it's at 265. I suspect this thing will end up at about 500. But it has got this gorgeous oh, oh, oh. purple dial. It's like the uh, like that limited edition Challenger purple black. I don't remember what they call it because uh, I'm not particularly a car guy, but I, I, that's exactly where my mind went when I saw that color. And you said, is that purple? I'm like, well, kind of. But yeah. It's as, it's as purple as you can get before you get to black. And it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's a sunburst dial, just like you would expect. It's got a minute track around the outside. Uh, stick hands, stick markers, a uh, little bit of loom in there. Uh, that big curvy day uh, day uh, window. They live in the one window. Up, up at the top. It's got a Cyclops. Uh, it's got that great tuning fork logo on it. This thing's gorgeous. It, and if it wasn't such an homage, I would say uh a- absolutely just fantastic watch but it, it's it is an homage and i think that takes away from it a little bit um, i think it gives it a little bit too because they look at something that somebody's doing really well and say i think we can do it as good or better yeah and then lets you be the judge uh th- this watch is killer this purple uh dial is killer just stunning it this will be done when when they hear this i was just gonna say you should check it out but it'll be done um when you hear this but uh no three days it'll be closing oh yeah it'll, it'll close be closing. on thursday night friday get in on it if it's still 221 it's three days zero zero hours so friday at 905 yeah 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 till God's friday at 905 come pick this thing up because somebody should buy this and then send it to us for a month or three yes it is it's stunning we'll Beautiful. take really good pictures uh i think i like this one i think this is probably the best president uh homage out there uh and it's an automatic it's an edit 2834 movement 36 millimeters 20 millimeters i think it's actually coming in at 19 and a half on the lugs uh you're going to be able to stuff a 20 in there no problem uh this thing's great totally totally great and i think somebody should buy it i miss the days when bulova was putting watches out like that just that was their thing so watch number two. This is one of your babies. Ooh, yeah. This is a watch you can buy brand new right now today For, on Amazon. For what, 100 and, 136 bucks? 35 money and 99 cents. It is the Seiko SGF204. And here we've got exactly what we're talking about. We've got two-tone bracelet. We've got two-tone. Well, two, yeah, we'll go to. It's it's a two-tone watch. Because obviously, if it's two-tone, you're going to have a two-tone case of bezel combination but you've got a gold fluted bezel it's not real gold though so you're not you're not getting that precious metal out of it i'm sure the links aren't real gold um you call it a jubilee i think it's that's a jubilee that's a straight jubilee uh and again it is just it is exactly the homage you'd expect out of seiko for this watch just the the what you'd expect japanese day date in the dual window at the three o'clock the three letter uh abbreviation for the for the day your date window and it's just it's classic looking and this is the true poor man's option yeah it's 136 money you're getting most of the characteristics of the date just all of the reliability at a seiko and it is a quartz it's quartz and and it's got shitty water resistance so yeah what's it 30 meters 30 meters yeah but you know what for for a sport watch for for someone who's not looking to bang it around, I mean, I, and I don't know 
never had one of these. I don't know if you're going to run into the issues of uh, fogging with such low water resistance. I would imagine with modern technology, you're probably not, and especially at a Seiko, you're probably not. Um, but I mean, what what more could you ask for? It has all the cues, everything that you'd expect out of a homage to it. And how big are these? How big is this guy? I think they're 38. 38. I could be wrong about that. E, so 19 and a half on the bandwidth, 35. Ooh. It says 35. I, I suspect it's bigger <clears throat> than that, but it, it may be that size. Uh, you know, the one thing about this that I don't love, it's got something interesting going on with the lugs. There's a little bit of protrusion at the lugs. They don't, the the lug opening doesn't sit flush to that rounded case dimension. Um, but you, you win some, you lose some. I think that's what you're going to get when you buy a $135 homage from Seiko. And, and it's quartz, which again... Again, that's fine. Um, I'm just glad it's, it's not part of the 5 Series. That That's right. But but if you like this, but you do want an automatic. Oh, yeah. And you do want uh, a something in the Seiko 5 Series. There's a discontinued watch from Seiko that you can still find. Uh, I've pulled up a bunch on watchpatrol.net. And Watch Patrol is like a watch recon where they aggregate listings from other places. Um, this is the Seiko SNXJ89 quote date day day date quote date just. Uh, these things have a number of different dials. There's a there's a full loom version of the dial that's really stunning. Oh, that's cool. Jubilee, um, four o'clock crown, which is it is what it is, yep. I suppose. Um, but automatic seven S two six. Seiko 5 branding, um, because it's a Seiko 5, see-through case back. It's just beautiful. It's like an SNK. Um, it's like an SNK that looks like a date chest is really mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, and for only 150 money on this posting. And and they're all in the neighborhood of 150 250 bucks. Great, great case shape. Great uh, uh, contouring on the case. Uh this thing's fantastic. And, and I think what makes this the homage is the fluted bezel. Because everything else screams Seiko. Well, the the markers are 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 clearly uh the markers and hands are clearly a call to the source material. But yeah, you're you're right. It, it's clearly a Seiko. It uh it, it's got Seiko things going on everywhere else. It just has that fluted bezel. The case shape is what really said Seiko to me. So I dig this. And for for maybe twenty dollars more, you're getting that seven S two six as opposed to a quartz movement. And these come in anywhere from hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty in good condition. So, uh, you, you, you know, just be patient and look for one that that works for you. This one I think is so cheap because it's a six and a seven six point seven five bracelet, uh, which isn't going to work for many people. Um, but yeah. I think this is a great option for Seiko, uh, a Seiko 5 version. Boom time. Next watch, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a watch I've actually looked at on a number of occasions and just never never quite had it in me to pick up, even though I would like to eventually just have one of these, if for nothing else, just to, just to turn it, just to try it for a little while and then put it back out into the wild. Uh, we've got the the Orient President Classic Automatic uh, reference EV0J003B. 
B. And on the Amazon, what's this, 341? 314. And it is terrific. If if you're if, if the SARB doesn't do it for you, if you want a closer to the source day date date just, this is it. 36 millimeter case, which is or so 35. 36. 36. Yeah, 36 millimeter case. Uh which is unusual for Orient because usually they go just a touch too big, but everything else you want. It comes in a black dial and a silver dial. Um the eleven to one date window, the Cyclops date window, which is really unusual for Orient. Uh you know I don't like the the diamond, diamond markers. markers. Yeah. yeah. And there are clearly they're clearly not diamonds diamonds at that price, but no, obviously not. But I I don't like that. You got the hundred meters of water resistant and sapphire crystal for three hundred and fifty ish bucks. Yeah, this is the this is the blingiest option that we've picked up. Um, I, I like it for a number of reasons. They they uh, have sort of combined elements from the date just and the day date. It's got a full day date um, dial a diamond day date dial, but then it's got the Jubilee bracelet, uh, which I think is a neat, uh, a neat sort of mix, mix up of those, of those styles. I love it, man. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like an Orient watch to me. It, it, no, that's it, right. it seems like a peripheral of their catalog. They're like, Hey, I guess we make this, you know, some people are going to buy it. Um, and I'm not a fan of the diamond markers. Like why? But everything else, I mean, if if that's if you want some bling on it, this is kind of it. I I really like the case finishing on this thing. They've they've really uh, done a very sort of vintage Rolex case finish, and and, and I don't think the quality is going to be up there with with Rolex. Certainly not. Should hope close. not at, uh, um, at the price point difference. But they've they've sort of done away with any extraneous curves or whatever in a truly Rolex fashion. I love this thing. I, I love the, I love the minute track around the outside. Um, yeah, this is neat. It's got great. It's got a great logo, that Orient logo, which love it or hate it. Colorless in this, in, in this iteration. It's got Orient's EV automatic movement. Um, it's got a nice big crown, which I like, um, a big substantial crown. Uh, trying to snag this thing so I can stretch it out a little bit. Comes in all gold too. Yeah, yeah, it comes in all gold, which is it's a good looking watch too. The the gold version, three eighty three. Um, and and against the gold, I I think the, the the diamond markers would be a little bit less apparent, and maybe more forgivable. It looks a little cheaper in gold to me, because it's not real gold. Yeah. So and and I'm sort of I'm sort of reticent to pick up plated gold unless it's like a vintage Hoyer or something that's got a little bit of patina. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I'm, gold jewelry doesn't do it for me. I, yeah. It's it's love it or hate it. Yeah, I think, I mean, kind of the 90s pushed away gold jewelry, yeah. at least for men. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So at, at this point, we're going to transition. And, and we're going to transition in a way that I think is fun, but um, it may not be for everybody. We're going to transition away from um, you know, you know, we had the Sarb 033035, which is not a true uh, Datejust Day Date homage. Um, we're going to transition to a couple of other watches that may not be in your at the top of your consciousness when you're thinking of these things. But I think the intent was to, or at least the intent for me was to capture what you get with that, but in a truly premier 
very very uh, quality product that's going to have all of the all of the features in the Datejust minus this fluted bezel. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, you're going to fill that void with something similar, yeah. not necessarily identical. And so for me, my pick mm-hmm. was a uh, Christopher Ward. This is the current iteration of the C65 Trident Vintage. It's their Mark II. I think that there are Mark IIs that came out before this one. This is the newest version, and I love this thing because it's got Christopher Ward's new light catcher case. Um, And and if you follow Christopher Ward at all, you'll know that this case was kind of a big deal for them. Um, They spent a lot of time developing it, and you know some of that's just marketing, right? But it is truly a stunning case. I think that Christopher Ward is doing as much for case design and finishing as anybody uh, in the sort of um, non-micro brand watch world right now. I I think that perhaps they're second to only Seiko in terms of their production pieces on quality of finishing, polishing, uh, bevels. But this watch... This watch for under a thousand bucks, you can get it on a bracelet for I think nine ten, and you can get it on a on a leather for seven ninety five. Uh, this watch, holy shit, man! Uh, everything you'd want in a sport dress watch. One hundred and fifty meters of water resistance. Uh, yeah, nine ten on the bracelet. One hundred and fifty meters of water resistance. Thirty eight meters. Um, Great bracelet. Millimeters. What'd I say? 38 meters. 38, 38 millimeters. <laughs> it's a 38 meter watch, y'all, so you are going <laughs> to need a truck. 20 millimeters lug width. Um, mm. It's got a date. Uh, it's It's got a, just a, a simple date window. It's got Christopher Ward's sort of finish line uh, logo at the 12 o'clock and Christopher Ward's love it or hate it, 9 o'clock. Matched date wheel. That's important for me. Match date wheel. The one thing that this watch doesn't have, and the one thing that almost caused me to strike it uh, from this spot on my list, was the lack of steel markers. It, mm. it does have applied markers, and they're raised applied markers, but they're fully loomed. And I like it's, that. And it's an old radium, which is not going to be for everybody. I, I like that. <laughs> I think that adds to the sportiness of the watch. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a collision of dress and sport. And I think Rolex has created this luxury idea that it doesn't matter what they put out, everything's dressy. And I think this this hits the sport. It really, really highlights that, and it makes this a watch that you would want to wear in most environments. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right on. Um, I think that's right on. And it's got uh, it's got a certain amount of, uh, you you know, playing close to that line, that razor's edge. Uh, is this dressy? Is it sporty? Uh, which again, on black leather, I'm I have no second thoughts about wearing that with a suit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not they're, even a moment of hesitation. They're thin. I can't remember what the I can't remember what the dimension is, but they're they're relatively thin. Um, 11, uh, I guess. Yeah, 11. 11. Uh, That's just a guess from looking at it. uh, 11 was the number that popped into my head as well, but I'm trying to confirm that. Um, 
11.5. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to fit under your sleeve. Have I ever said how that's kind of a pet peeve of mine? When they don't? No. The, the idea that you need to buy a watch to fit under a shirt sleeve. You could just put it over your shirt sleeve like a boss with you, a W. You could. I saw somebody wearing a Sunto over their uh, <laughs> long sleeve t-shirt, and I uh, had a lot of thoughts. Here's, here's why it bugs me. Here's why it bugs me. There is no simpler clothing modification that you can do at home than to move the buttons on your barrel cuffs. I mean, it it would take you literally five minutes and stuff that you almost certainly have in your junk drawer. Uh, and that's what I do. When I have a, a shirt sleeve that's too tight, I just fucking sew the button on a little further down the cuff. It is literally... Two and a half minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's a piece of cake. Uh, so that's why it bothers me when people say that. But because it, it it's such... <clears throat> no, I, I agree completely. <laughs> but it is a thing. Could you tell? Yeah. <laughs> so, but in any event, this is going to be nice and thin. I, I think what people mean to say when they actually say that is they want it to be thin and wear thin and not be chunky. And, mm-hmm. and I get that. So, but they're... No, when it starts grabbing your jacket, that's when we, when we start coming into issues <laughs> with how thick that watch is. Right. That's right. So, uh, but yeah, I think this thing is super cool. And I think if you're in that, if, if you're looking for a truly sort of classy, uh, perhaps heirloom piece that is, that mm-hmm. captures everything that was good about the day, just this, this for me does it. Put it on black leather. It's dressy as shit. Put it on the bracelet. It's sporty as shit. It's perfect. Put it on brown leather. You can wear it with a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Or on rubber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this thing comes on a, I can't remember if it's rubber or sailcloth. I think it's like a faux sailcloth. Is it 100 meters on this? This is 150. Ooh. Yeah, 150. So it's, uh, it, it is a true sport watch. You're going to be able to wear this in the pool. Um, yeah, it's great. This is hybrid strap. I don't know what that means. Well, it's two things, bred together. <laughs> Cordura and rubber. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool. Pretty cool watch. Which brings us to your yes. off-the-cuff choice. And this is another watch that I've looked at quite a bit and is on the short list for next year. It is the Citizen Corso Eco Drive uh, reference BM7330-59L. And I, I'm typically not a fan of integrated bracelets. And in this instance, I really, really dig it. I think they've done such a good job. You've got a, uh, pr- probably not a true five-piece, but maybe a true five-piece bracelet on a, again, killer citizen case. All the angles on it are, are they're, Subtle, but also really noticeable. A polished bezel, that great citizen blue dial. You've got just all the classy bits that you want in a sport watch that can lend itself toward dressing. I don't see a lot of taper, if any taper, in that bracelet, which is a little bit bothersome because that's what you're stuck with. I think it's got a taper to it. I, I think that it's at least a two millimeter taper. I, I would hope so, because yeah. it's coming down, ooh, 
want to say 20 on it, but the, the case is 40 millimeters. Uh, so a little bit on the bigger side to replace this. Uh, I, I would hope for 38, but if, if we're being real about a $140 watch, 40 millimeters is, is pretty damn good. And I, I dig this and it's, it, it's eco drive. You've mm -hmm. got, Great markers on it that really pop against that blue because it's. I love, love, love that really, really dark, like midnight blue, maybe towards the navy side. Sword hands. Which is the like, one thing I don't love about this. You don't watch. like the swords? No, I, I wish it had batten hands. Uh, I can go for that, hands. but I, 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 like, I like the swords in, in this application. Case finishing exactly like you'd expect it. I, I think the case finishing on this thing is, at least in the pictures, just looks fantastic. Yeah, kind of AP feel on the angles and the integration with the bracelet. Uh, I, I, man, this might be the first watch I buy next year. Yeah, it's one hundred forty bucks. It's a great, it's a great pick, and, and and I like how we sort of bracketed with our picks, which I think we often do without even trying, but we sort of bracketed the range there. 140 bucks for the Citizen Eco Drive, which is is a stunner. Uh, 900 for the Christopher Ward. Mm -hmm. You know, th there's an option here for you, no matter where you're at. Um, and, and and I think we've highlighted some of the goodies. Yeah, if you want to go a, a a real true to form homage, a homage, mm -hmm. or if you want to go to the modern iteration of it, there are tons of options out there, and there's a bunch of options out there that we haven't even that we obviously haven't mentioned because we've talked about, what, five, six watches today? Yeah, and there's so many of these out there. Let us know your thoughts on them. We love love, love dress sport watches. That's kind of our obsession right now. Yeah. If you can't tell. I think that's right. And so many good options out there. So you don't have to pinch pennies to buy a day chest or a day date because there are a lot of... I mean, you can. I'm not going to advocate against that and then send it to us for... You know, three to six months, so we can get a full feel for it. But there's so many options out there that fill this void, and are gonna make anyone super happy because these are all fucking great watches. So we've got an honorable mention. Yep, we've got an honorable mention. This thing didn't make the cut because it's just not close enough, right? Um, but the Hamilton Khaki King, I think, is a great choice for someone who is looking for a sporty, but perhaps dressy. Um, modern sport watch. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's it, it's definitely on the sport end. I think it tends towards field even uh, of this spectrum. Yeah, and it is certainly a field watch. It, this is certainly a field watch. It's sort of pilot field feel to it, um, and and only fifty meters of water resistance. Which we've talked about this watch in the past, and that's always been my criticism: is there's no good reason for this watch not to have a hundred meters of water resistance. Nope, and that's what kept it from making a list, and why it gets an honorable mention because it's worth mentioning. Yeah, but it's it doesn't hit enough of those key components to fill the void. It's got both the day and the date at twelve o'clock, but that sort of ribbon day uh, day window. Um, Definitely less polish on this thing than mm -hmm. I think you'd want out of a true date date just homage. But uh, something to think about if you're thinking I want to date just something like a date just, but I want it to be more rugged, more outdoorsy. This is a great choice. Yeah, but you only have 50 meters of water resistance on it, so right. do consider <laughs> that when you wash your hands. Uh, you know this watch. I think it's such a such a stupid watch. I, I love it. 
I love it. And I really am inclined to get one. But that 50 meters of water resistance, everything that this watch purports to be is ruined by that. It's a limiter. It's it's rare that you get a watch that seems so versatile, but has such a glaring deficiency. Glaring. Not that I'm even... Uh, yeah, no, I am a bit of a water resistance whore. I want 100 meters. Yeah, I want Unless 100 meters. Unless it's a meters. pure dress watch. I want 100 meters. Me too. Because I don't know. I mean, oh, uh, as, as an example, uh, I went out with some friends last Friday to celebrate a birthday. And as we pulled up into our parking spot, we were parked behind another one of the friends. And we got out of the car. And she looked at us with this horrified look on her face. And we were like, what the fuck's going on? And her girlfriend had gotten out of the car with her phone in her lap and her phone had fallen through the graded storm drain alongside the road. Done that. Did you do this? We pulled that thing off. We pulled it out, like pulled the grate up out of the earth and felt the bottom with a shovel because I had a shovel in the bed of my truck. Couldn't find it. Got a net. Uh, her dad showed up with a net, like a like a pool leaf scooper, and we scooped 20 gallons of leaves and sludge out of the bottom. <clears throat> Went across the street to the bar, said, hey, can we have one of your five-gallon buckets? We lost a phone in a drain. We bailed it out, 30 gallons of water out, and then someone hopped down in, felt around on the bottom, pulled the phone out. The iPhone 11 is still working after spending n- north of an hour underwater. That's awesome. So speaking of water resistance, it's a real thing. You might not think you need it, but you just never know when you're going to drop your phone, watch, who knows what, into one of those storm drains. But we did it. That's awesome. It was more fun than drinking. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. That's a good story. It was a good story. And the iPhone 11, you know. uh, She dried it off. She called me on accident because I've been calling it to see if we get some light. But somehow... Obviously, it's a 50% chance, but if you drop something underwater, it's a 100% chance the light upside is going to land in a way that will obscure the ability to see it. Right. (laughs) It's like peanut butter toast. Yeah. Always lands peanut butter side up. Uh, No, peanut butter side down. Yeah, precisely. Uh, So it it landed screen side down in the corner. Uh, And I was like, "Is is is it on vibrate? Is it on ring? And she said she didn't know. Um. It was on vibrate. So anyway, she's drying it off and accidentally called me back. And it worked. It just immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Modern technology, man. How great. Yeah. And no needles at the bottom of the storm drain, which was, I think, the most impressive part. Not that that the phone still worked, but there was no needles or anything. We're worried about detritus. I I mean, any number of diseases that would come off of a used needle. Well... Well, good. I think I think we can wrap it on the on this the content for this episode uh, or the the topic on this episode. It, you know, a, a, as Andrew suggested earlier, reach out to us if we missed some good ones. I'm sure we did. Uh, and and if you send us something good enough, we'll drop it in in, in the next episode. Uh, but yeah, Datejust, you need one. You probably don't need a Datejust, but you need something like a Datejust, a dress sport watch, other things. Andrew, my man, go. Okay. So I heard, I listened to an episode of Armchair Expert today with a fellow named Tal Ben Shahar. And he is a Israeli-born 
American professor, uh, or was a professor. He taught at Harvard and uh, now owns a... That's a lame school. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's whatever. Um, it was, at the time of its offering, the most popular course in Harvard history. Uh, he's written a whole shitload of books, but his whole... Uh, now he's kind of a an IO psychologist, an institutional and organizational psychologist, and his whole, whole thing is making people and companies more productive. But his shtick is positivity psychology. Uh, his whole thinking behind it is uh, there's all these studies done every year on depression, on anger, on sadness, on all the negatives, uh, which is really typical to American medicine as we treat symptoms, we treat the issue as it arises, but do very little on prevention. So uh, literally 10 times more articles were written on these negative side effects, negative conditions than there were on the positives. Uh, so his idea was to start addressing psychology and kind of the philosophy of it and organizational leadership from the positive side. How do we empower and improve what's working in order to stymie the negative? Uh, so he is, that, that's his whole thing is focus on the positive uh, if, and he, one of the things he said was that he, uh, if he were, or when he, when he goes and gives presentations, cause now he runs a consulting company, uh, when he goes and he talks to managers, he doesn't ask about what needs to be improved. His first questions are, what are we doing well? Uh, and it's focusing on improving things that are already working to raise up the level of the things that you might be struggling in. Sounds like negative bullshit and it's never going to work. Maybe, yeah. No, no, no you're definitely kidding. right. But it, it's, it's an interesting perspective, perspective change and kind of a paradigm shift in if you want to improve something, we'll focus on the negatives. There's positives there. Even, even when something fucking sucks. Like your car's broke down, but it's a classic Corvette or it's a classic Mustang. Like just, you start from there. And that's, it's, it's just a, a slight paradigm shift that gives you a little bit of a boost to start focusing on the positive sides of it and improving the positives rather than like, well, you know, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken, this is broken. You know, never mind, I'm, you know, all these great things are happening. But just a little bit of a paradigm shift. And it was a f really fascinating to hear him talk about how he uses that in management and in leadership seminars and, and improving organizations as a whole, which is something that I've done professionally uh, and wish I would have tried to employ some of those methods yeah I think it no it got me further it sounds super interesting I, i'm as a general rule i'm very skeptical about uh you, you know motivational self-help types oh so am i and and which is fascinating because he's also pretty anti-self-help because it it creates this environment where uh i'm trying to think of the way he phrased it it was um oh, so you're focusing on the symptoms and and it it it's all focused around achieving something that's based on willpower. So if you want to, uh, one of the questions he posed was, how many people have made a New Year's resolution? And how many people have gone through with that New Year's resolution? No one raises their hand. How many people brush their teeth every day? And it's all about incremental change. Like it, it doesn't have to be binary. Self-help is, is all focused around changing kind of a symptom rather than addressing the root cause and building from there it incremental non-binary improvements it sounds super interesting that 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 idea that uh paradigm shift in the way we think about 
uh, self-help is is powerful. So, uh, so the other thing then is Tal Ben Shahar himself, but also perhaps this armchair episode, yeah. armchair expert episode. And is that a Dax Shepard? Yeah, that's uh, it's a podcast I've talked about probably a handful of times on yep. here. But he's got a huge catalog. When you're done with us, look him up. He interviews a lot of great people and. and it's interesting to hear a, a pretty vulnerable interview with folks who are otherwise not humans to us. Right. So getting the human side of it and the, the Tal Ben Shahir was, was one of note worth, worth giving a listen to. Very good. I like it. Yeah. What you got? I've got a movie. I watched a movie this week. Oh, in a theater or in no, your I residence? Watched, I watched it at the house. I think it was on Netflix. Uh, it's on per- Netflix or perhaps Amazon. No, I, I think we we rented it on Amazon oh. actually. But this is a movie called Yesterday, uh, and it was one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. I believe it. It's one of the first tr- like it, it's rare you come across a movie that's super original. Yeah, it's not just an action movie or a, or a rom com, but it, it's it's a, around a truly original idea, and I I dig it. So, so no spoilers. I won't give anything away. But this is the the basic premise of the of the movie is this guy is in an accident. He wakes up in a world where everything's the same. No, no, no uh, major shift in the way the world operates. He's still the same guy. He's in the same place. Uh, his girlfriend is the same, or you know, uh, his, his not girlfriend. Uh, but a few things are different. A few things are different. In particular, uh, of note to the story, is that the Beatles never existed. The band, the Beatles, never existed. That's winning the biggest lottery in history. And so this fellow is a musician, and he fairly quickly figures this out. But it, it's it's hard for him to figure it out because it's such an odd thing. Uh, and and the the title. The title of the movie is Yesterday, which is obviously a Beatles song. And he he sort of realizes this when he's recovering from his accident and he plays this and the people are like, that was so good. When did you write that? And he's like, I didn't fucking write it. It's, it's yesterday, you idiots. Uh, but, you, you know, anyway, the it, so this is a Danny Boyle movie. Danny Boyle's... Uh, semi-famous director uh n- not spielberg quality but but uh y- you know has made tons of great movies 28 days later slumdog millionaire 127 hours so very very good movies but perhaps not blockbusters um all those were blockbusters okay so fuck me uh <laughs> also in this is uh lily james uh from downton abbey uh, Ed Sheeran is in it, and he's great. Uh, Sorry, what? Ed, Ed Sheeran, the musician. No, no, Sheeran maybe. Ed, I think. Okay, I think it's Ed Sheeran. Are you sure? Because no. I'm, I'm saying it with conviction, which now makes me unsure. Well, why don't we just agree to disagree, fucker? Uh, yeah, Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran, wh- whatever, however you say that fellow's name. I don't know that guy. Uh, he's got the voice of an angel. Except when he was in Game of Thrones. I hated that. Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. I hated that. So this movie, this movie, uh, I loved it. It made me uh, like laugh with joy, like genuine. I'm not laughing because this is funny. I'm laughing because I'm I'm having so much joy watching this, like sort of that emotional, teary-eyed, lump-in-your-throat laughing 
Uh, I just loved it. I, I it, it hasn't done super well with the critics. Um, you, you know, I think this is like uh, in the 60s on Rotten Tomatoes. I do not feel like that's indicative of how good this movie is. There's a lot of hundreds on Rotten Tomatoes that Rotten Tomatoes uh, that I would I wouldn't even watch Alone and Drunk. Oh, you know, so I sort of feel like Rotten Tomatoes is a flawed system, but I think it's I think you're much less likely to get a false positive on Rotten Tomatoes than you are a false negative. I think that there's a lot of movies that don't do well with the critics that are pretty enjoyable. The one that that came to my mind the most recently is that movie Spawn. This is a Tom Hardy movie about mm, I didn't watch that, but the Spider-Man uh nemesis Spawn. Mm-hmm. And people didn't like it for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I think comic book nerds didn't like it because how can you have a Spawn movie that does Spawn? Not Spawn. Not Spawn. Spawn is a totally different character. Yeah. Uh Jeez Louise. Uh if I remember to edit this, I will, but you guys are going to be screaming at me. It's not Spawn, because he is not in that world. It is... Um... Here we go. Venom. Venom. Jeez, love. I had to see him to remember. I'm going to... You're going to remember my to edit this comic episode. Bird, comic book card. <laughs> it's comic bird. I'm not even drunk tonight. No. No. So, yes, Venom. That movie got destroyed by the critics, and it was so enjoyable. I loved every minute of it. So I think Rotten Tomatoes is flawed, but I think you're more likely to get false negatives than you are false positives. By and large, if something's sitting at like 95, 96 on Rotten Tomatoes, it's going to be pretty fucking good, I think. Okay, you're looking something up. So in any event, I love this movie. Uh, you know what I think is interesting is his diversity as a director to go yeah. from 28 weeks later to Slumdog Millionaire and uh, 120. I mean, that, that's that's a pretty impressive portfolio. It, it is. Uh, it, it is. And I, I think that I, I think that the quality of the movies that he makes is is pretty up there uh, but there's there's also some some odd ones in there too so did you find the movie that you thought was going to prove your point we'll have to talk about this after we'll, okay. we'll mention it next week in our year anniversary um yeah all right you guys we're going a little long so we'll probably cut out now andrew is there anything else that you're dying to tell these people before we hang it up for the night I don't. It's 9.30 on a Tuesday night. I have nothing else. You have nothing else? Nope. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday. If you want to support us, we're on Instagram at 40 and 20. You can also check us out on patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.